Well, good morning, church. My name is Ryan Harmon. I'm a directional pastor here at Lincoln Berean. And just like Dave already told us, this weekend's a little different because this is our State of the Church weekend. It's kind of our kickoff weekend for all the ministries of the fall. And we think this weekend provides a really great opportunity for us to take a step back and, and maybe consider what it is that we're doing here together this morning. Why are we here? Right? Why do we come to church? What made you get out of bed, put down that second cup of coffee or that 20-second cup of coffee, and come here and gather together? Why is it that we do what we do? If you're like me and my family, it's probably just kind of part of your routine. It's what you do every weekend, and that's a really good thing. It's a great thing to have those habits where it's just your family just knows, hey, this is what we do. We go to church. But... The downfall of that is that sometimes what starts to happen is you start to maybe lose some of the vision for why you're doing what you're doing. Might start to lose and get lazy about thinking about the purpose behind what we do. So at Lincoln Berean, we would say that that our purpose, our why, is found in our mission statement. And do you know it? Because it's not the staff's mission statement, right? We just said the church is not the building. We are the church, and so this is our mission statement. And so we want to read it together. We're going to put it up on the screen. We say at Lincoln Berean, our mission is to glorify God by seeking to present every person complete in Christ. That's our why. That's, that's the driving force behind what we do. Now, of course, this isn't some phrase that a bunch of guys got together 20 years ago and kind of said, hey, we should come up with something brilliant, right? This is straight from the pages of Scripture. This comes from the Apostle Paul when he's writing to the Colossians. So listen to this verse, Colossians 1.28. Paul says this. He says, we proclaim him, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone complete in Christ. So as we begin our time together this morning, we just want to unpack this mission statement a little bit. We're just going to walk through it kind of word by word. So we start by saying to glorify God. Have you ever thought about what it means to glorify God? On a really basic level, we could just say to to glorify God is to give him glory, right? It's to bring glory to him. Right? We glorify God when we sing and when we think and when we talk and when we do that which builds up his name, makes him larger, enhances his reputation, enhances his status in the world. Right? Every weekend when we gather together and we sit under his word in submission to him, we're glorifying him. Each week when Mike and the team lead us in worship just like they just did, Right? We're, we're lifting up his name. We're building up his reputation. We're talking about all the things he has done throughout history. Right? His faithfulness over time. And what he is doing now and what he will do. All these things, as we talk about it, it brings him glory. Right? But we don't just bring him glory by singing. We don't just bring him glory by gathering together and and, and submitting to his word. We can also bring him glory by participating in the work that he's doing, by joining him in his mission. So we continue to glorify God by seeking to present every person. 
This word seeking is really important for us to remember, right? The filter through which everything kind of has to go for us is this idea of the intentionality is what we're doing bringing us closer to the goal that we're aiming at. As we plan, as we dream, as we dream up a ministry or put together something that we're going to do in a small group, is this helping us move towards this goal that is before us? And then we say, every person, not just Lincolnites, not just Nebraskans, not just Americans, right? Every person. How many does that leave out? Right? No one. That's everyone. Right? In a world that divides so often, right? That has these distinctions of who's in and who's out. We just put all that aside and we say our aim is to present every person. Right? Neither, neither rich nor poor, black or white, male or female, Republican, Democrat, natural born citizen, immigrant, these things don't matter, right? It's every person that we are aiming at. See, Christ is, is the great equalizer, right? The work that he finished on the cross puts aside all those divisions. And we want our mission to mirror the work that he's accomplished. Later on in Colossians, Paul says this in Colossians 3. He says, he says for there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, for Christ is all and is in all. Every person. Does that include our neighbors? Absolutely. The kids that we interact with, the kids that our kids interact with. Yeah, 100%. The people we interact with when we go to coffee shops, we go to scooters or Starbucks, wherever we go, does that include those people? Yes, 100%. Every person is the aim of our mission. To glorify God by seeking to present every person complete in Christ. This last phrase, what do we mean by complete in Christ? I'll be honest, this is my favorite part of the mission statement. I love thinking about what it means to be complete in Christ because that is the destination of the Christian life. That's where we're headed. What God intends for you and for me is to bring us to completion in Christ. So what's that mean? Well, even if you look at different translations of the Bible, you see these kind of synonyms. So some say complete in Christ. Some say mature in Christ. Basically means to become like Jesus, to grow up in him, to start to look more and more like him. That's what God intends for you and for me. See, God brought us into his family, right? He adopted us, made us his sons and daughters in order to bring us into his family and grow us up into Christ's likeness. And by the power of his spirit, he's working this incredible work in each one of us where he is transforming us internally so that we might look more like his son. And we're changed internally, our heart, our motivations, our mind, all of these things start to get transformed and we look more and more like Jesus and Jesus increases and we decrease. That's what we are aiming at. That's what we mean when we say to become complete in Christ, to become more like Jesus. And it's what I long for in my life. And it's what I long for in each of your lives. And it's what we should all long for in one another. We look at one another, we say, oh, that Christ would be formed in you. I long to see Christ increase in your life. 
And as a staff, we dream about what this would look like, right? If this dynamic would start to occur where people would come into the church, they come into faith, and then they'd come into the life of the church, the life of the body, what we do each weekend and throughout the week where we grow up into Christ and we're equipped, and then we're sent out on mission. And we dream about what that would look like if that were happening over and over and over again. Over the years, we visualized this. We'll put it up on the slide here. We visualize what we call the people loop. All right, people come in. We help people find Jesus, come to know him for that very first time. And then as they come into the life of the body, they're equipped to know and follow Jesus. And in that process, they become like him. And then finally, we go out. Each of us goes out on mission to reach others for Christ. And this dynamic loop continues forever and ever until Christ returns. And what an amazing thing that would be all for God's glory. And this is what we are aiming at. This is why we do what we do. And it's a big enough mission that it requires each one of us to be engaged. And it's not my mission. It's not Brian's mission. It's not our staff's mission. It's our mission. We are the church. So let's read it one more time together. So our mission is to glorify God by seeking to present every person complete in Christ. Let's take a look real quick and see how that takes place in our kids' ministry each week. Wow, look, we get to have table time on stage today. That's a lot of people. Can you wave at them and tell them hi while you find your seat? Give them nice cute waves, smile really, really big. Okay, it's right here. Perfect. Find a seat. Come over here, Miss Izzy. Wow. Take one more look out there. Give them one more wave. Give your best smile. Say hi. <laughs> so, we get to do table time up here. Isn't that exciting? Oh my goodness. I have a question for you. What is your favorite thing about coming to church on Sunday? What's your favorite thing, Olivia? My favorite thing is that we get to learn about God and that we get to talk about Him. Oh, that's awesome. Speaking of God, who, who is God? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus, Amelia? The Messiah. The Messiah. I like that. Who else? Is, who is Jesus? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? The Son of God. The Son of God. Hey, Olivia, I have a question for you. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. What do you think Jesus looks like? Jesus looks like a man who is like God. What do his clothes look like, do you think? His clothes look like white. They're white? Are they shiny? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, remember how Jesus did all those miracles? If you, could have, if you could see Jesus do any miracle, what miracle do you think he would do? Sam, what miracle? Make it rain money for the poor. Oh, that's a good one. What do you think? Um, make water right there and then walk on it. Ooh, I like that one. Izzy, what do you think? Um, you want more time to think? I'll come back to you, girl. All right, I have another one. If Jesus came down and we got to see him right now, what would you say to him? What would you say to Jesus if he came down? What would you say, Deacon, if Jesus was here? Uh, 
told me you loved him. Do you love him? Yes. Yes. What would you say to Jesus? I would say, take me to heaven. Oh, yes, girl. I feel you. What would you say to him, Izzy? Would you ask him a lot of questions? Because I would. I would want to know a lot of stuff. Okay, I got one more. Like how he did those miracles? Like how he did those miracles? Uh -huh. Like what miracles? Like walk on the water. Oh, yeah. That water one, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big one. I agree, miss. Now, is there anything we can pray about that's going on in your life today? I know. What? Troubles. Troubles. In your life. Yes, troubles. I would pray for troubles. You have something, Sam? School. Pray for school. Yes. What would you want to be prayed for? God. You want to pray for God. I like that one. Well, should we pray? Let's yeah. bow our heads. Here we go. Ready? Dear God, we thank you so much for our time together today. We love coming and talking about you and getting to learn more about you. Help us have a great week. Help us with our troubles and help us enjoy our school day as it starts. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, round of applause for our cuties. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Bryce. This is Rosie. We work in kids ministry here at Lincoln Brian Church. This is a real activity that we do every Sunday morning. It's called Table Time. And above the crafts, snacks, games, everything that we do in kids' ministry, Table Time is my absolute favorite. Kristen Ivey, a Christian author, says that every child needs an adult in their life that loves them in a way that shows them that they're worth something. And during Table Time, I really think that quote comes to life. But the unfortunate part is that this Ratio we have going here, six to one, is not accurate for um, our ratios in table time on any given Sunday. And so for that reason, I want to ask you if you would consider giving one hour of your week to love a child in a way that shows them that they are worth something. And that is as easy as coming to church, which you got already, sitting around a table, asking simple questions, and praying with a child. So there is a place for you to use your gifts in our LBC Kids Ministry, and we want to invite you to help us tell the next generation about Jesus and the wonders that he has done. We have amazing kids in our nursery, walkers, and preschooler rooms who are like little sponges taking in everything around them. So help us surround them with the love and fun of Jesus. And then we have kindergarten through four, fifth graders who are at the critical point in their lives when they're deciding whether or not they're going to follow Jesus so we want to invite you on this amazing adventure that we call Kids Ministry, and uh, we hope to see you soon. And we want you to know that the health and impact of our church long-term depends on what we do today to teach the next generation about Jesus. So Bryce, myself, our LBC Kids staff will be out at the Spotlight booth today. We'd love to connect with you. There's so many different roles, both working directly with kids and behind the scenes. So we hope to see you soon. It's hard to imagine a more worthwhile place to invest some time and talent into the lives of these kids. I hope uh, you'll really consider that opportunity. One of the things we need to do this morning is do an update on our uh, fiscal year-end giving. So our goal was $1.5 million. Let's see how we did. 
So there's a lot in there to celebrate. The obvious is we end in the black, keep moving forward. Uh, that's great. But stop and think about this. And we've seen it uh, many years, year after year. You're talking about a huge number, 1.5 million. You're talking about a couple of months. You're talking about hundreds of gifts, and nobody knows what anybody else is giving. So what is the possibility of all of those coming together and at a $1.5 million goal coming in within $36,000 of hitting the number around the head? That's within 2.4% of just landing right on the number. So to me, that not only reflects God's generosity, it reflects the sensitivity of God's people to give what God calls them to give, and that to me reflects the health of our body. So there's a lot of things to celebrate in that number, and uh, we really appreciate your generosity. I want to do an update concerning me personally. I'm just getting a lot of questions about this. So some of you are aware of this, but as of April, I accepted the invitation to be the uh, Bible teacher for Back to the Bible's radio broadcast. If you don't know what that is, uh, Back to the Bible's been around a long time. It's a 30-minute show. It's five days a week, Monday through Friday. And as of this last Friday, we officially launched it as a podcast. It uh, goes across the United States and about 14 English-speaking countries. So basically what they're doing is taking what we do together here in the auditorium, just gets edited for radio, and we have about 20 years of that stored up. So that's the material they use. And then at the end of each of those broadcasts, is about a five-minute discussion about whatever the message was that day. So that means I go in uh, once a week, takes about an hour, we record five days' worth of discussion, and that's about all it requires of me. So it doesn't really change my role here, and uh, it's just been a really uh, uh, humbling opportunity to be part of that. In addition, then, they take the messages... Uh, the transcripts of the messages, and they just rewrite them, edit them to, uh, into book form. So it doesn't read like a sermon, it reads like a book to make available to the listeners. And back to the Bible's graciously made them available to us. So currently we have available uh, Genesis 1 through 11, the book of James, Life After Death, and more to come. Uh, we have those available, they're $5 a piece. For what it's worth, I don't get any royalty on these. I don't make a penny on them. The church doesn't make a penny on them. We get them at cost. We sell them at cost. We're just trying to put the material into people's hands, and hopefully it will be helpful. So that's a part of what's going on. I just didn't want people to think I'm spending all week cranking out books in my office. It's really not what's happening. So that's an update uh, there. The latest one we're working on is Genesis 12 through 25. And just in going back through that material, I've been reminded at the end of Abraham's life, quite a remarkable life of faith and obedience. The word that's used to describe his life is satisfied. I just think that's such a powerful word to think about getting to the end of your story, looking back and being satisfied. 
that you lived a life of faith and obedience and you're ready to stand before God. In January of 2010, we launched what we called a Decade on Purpose. Uh, it had six big initiatives next year. We'll talk about those. The decade will be completed and how we did with those. But the heart and soul of the Decade on Purpose was really encouraging, motivating people to think about the next 10 years of your life, what's going to matter, what do you want to make sure you live for. We were trying to keep people from getting 10 years down the road, looking back with regrets, wishing they'd have done it differently. So 10 years, what's going to matter? You don't get those 10 years back. Live for the things that will last forever. So in January of 2010, this is the video we showed to launch that uh, Decade on Purpose. In 10 years, I will have read my last bedtime story. In 10 years, I'll be driving. In 10 years, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> hey, Mommy, look. In 10 years, this house will be empty. In 10 years, I'll be done climbing the corporate ladder. In 10 years, I'll be retired. How much time do I have to teach my girls? How much time do I have to make a difference? So just in case you haven't figured it out, those three little girls, Dan and Natalie's three girls in the video, these are the three girls. So the little girl behind the steering wheel, honking the horn, playing with the keys is Gabrielle. She's 16 and ready to drive. Thank you, ladies. It's just our reminder Time goes so fast. Seems like it was just yesterday that we were launching the decade on purpose. Ten years have come and gone, and the reality is you don't get those ten years back. If you wasted them, you waste them. There's no second chances. It's just a reminder to live for the things that matter. So as you think back over the last ten years... Did you invest in the things that will matter forever? Did you waste those years 
Probably like most, it's a bit of a, a mix of both. But the reality is every day matters. Life is a gift. And part of our mission, the heartbeat of the Decade on Purpose, was to do everything that we can to encourage people to invest their lives in the things that will matter forever. Of course, that emphasis is going to continue in the years to come. Many of you have heard this before, but if you think about a line that goes as far as you can imagine, north to south, and then imagine this little slash on that line that is so thin you have to make it with a razor blade. It's so thin you can't tell the difference between 10 years, 50 years, 70 years, 90 years. But that slash represents the duration of your life. In light of eternity, the duration we get is but a slash, yet God has graciously made it possible within that slash to invest our lives in something that will still matter a 100,000 years from now. That's just a remarkable thing to consider. Sometimes we get this all twisted up and we think we're doing God a favor when we invest our things, our lives in the things of God. But that's completely backwards. God has done us this remarkable favor by granting us the opportunity within that little slash to invest into something that will matter forever. What a tragedy it would be to not take seriously the invitation God has given us. For me personally, something changed within me about 20 years ago. Many of you are aware, when I was 39 years old, I was diagnosed with a birth defect, a defective aortic valve, and uh, had a procedure that was kind of brand new, cutting edge. I think I was the 27th person to have it here, and it was only being done a few places in the world. And so I was scheduled for surgery. The day before the surgery, I came in for a heart cath, was supposed to have the cath, go home, come back the next day, have the surgery. The purpose of the heart cath was just to figure out if there was anything else that needed to be done while they were under the hood. So I came in, they did the heart cath. Uh, I was laying on the bed, Patty was there, and the cardiologist came out and I made some comment, I think I was trying to be funny, as often is the case, probably wasn't very funny. But it was immediately obvious he was upset. And the first words out of his mouth were, Brian, there is no human explanation for why you're alive. He said, you essentially have a pinhole where you're supposed to have a valve. None of us can figure out why you're still alive. So that was one moment. They hooked me up to a bunch of machines. I stayed overnight. The next morning, I was scheduled to be the first surgery. There was an emergency. I got bumped. So basically, I'm ready, prep for surgery, got my game face on, and then you get bumped and have to just wait. I don't remember what it was, four or five hours. So there's not much you can do, but just think. And I found myself processing, if this is the end of my story, if this is the finish line, 
I had this overwhelming sense of peace. A little bit like Abraham, just a satisfaction that I had given my best shot to invest myself in the things that will matter forever. And if this was the end of the story, I was fine with that. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Well, the surgery went well, and uh, everything was fine. That got me 15 years down the road. I had another surgery in 2013. They did a lot of repairs. Everything's good, feeling great, full speed ahead. But what changed in me is the realization that I'm on borrowed time and that there's a very clear reason why God has kept me on the earth. There is also this sense that when I do get to the finish line, I want that moment again where I have the satisfaction of knowing I've given it my best shot to pour myself into the things that matter and I'm ready to see Jesus. But I also feel like part of my mission, why God has put me here, is not just for me, but to call us together to that mission. That none of us end up getting to the end of our story with regrets, wishing we'd have lived the one life that we get differently. There's no do-overs. There's no going back. You get one shot at it. If you want to waste your life, that's up to you. But as we've said again and again, we're going to make it very hard to do so. We want to call people to invest themselves in the things that will last forever. We want to get to the finish line without regrets and know we live the one life that we got for the things that will last forever. Now, that shows up in lots of ways. It shows up where you work, where you go to school, in your neighborhood, your family, hundreds of different ways. But one of the things that we all share in common is our responsibility to steward the gospel, the message of Jesus that so changed our lives. We talked about that this spring in the series called Compelled. We gave out the 42-second book. We reminded ourselves, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Don't make it more fearful than it needs to be. We just make some of this stuff way too complicated. The last message in the series, Mark had a whole list of very practical suggestions. I encourage you to go back, re-listen to it, or reread the transcript. But starting the weekend after Labor Day... We're going to begin a study of the Gospel of John. John himself writes that the purpose for his Gospel is in order that we might believe. And by believing, we might have life in his name. There's so much in John for all of us. But it is a unique opportunity to invite your friends, the people you go to school with, the people you work with, to come to listen, to understand who Jesus is, that they might believe, and in believing, they might have life in his name. So we really want to encourage you, and we'll continue to encourage you, that this is a great opportunity. It's not complicated. Just invite somebody. And let's see what God uh, wants to do this year as we seek to be faithful and true to the mission as Ryan explained it. I'll guarantee you, right now, this morning, Sunday morning, 
There are people you go to school with. There are people next door. There are people that you work with every day. And they are empty. And they are struggling. And they are searching. And they are wondering if they will ever find something that will satisfy that restless searching in their souls. We know what they're looking for. And our prayers will be faithful stewards of the gospel, that they too might come to believe. The people around us all have a story. Maybe it's a story kind of like Elisa's. I'm 16 years old, sitting in the church that I grew up in, um, being told that I had this laundry list of things that I had to do in order to be right in the eyes of God. Even though I had grown up hearing all of these things, um, as I started to think about them, it just didn't make any sense. Um, I just knew in my heart that it was not supposed to be this way. So I literally got up out of the pew and I walked out of the doors. So I'm 24 years old now and I am a single mom of two little girls. I had just had my uh, youngest daughter uh, six months earlier and my oldest daughter had just started kindergarten. And she um, was out back playing and was hit by a motorcycle. Um, so I am sitting in the car in the back seat um, with my grandfather driving us about an hour and a half away to reach the hospital that uh, she was life flighted to. Um, and I can just remember trying to bargain with God. It was, you know, if you save her now, I'll do this. Um, I promise I won't do this anymore. Um, I just kind of reverted back to everything that I, I kind of thought I had learned along the way um, in order to kind of get his attention. Uh, you know, I'll do this if, if you just do this one thing for me. Um, but then, I lost my five-year-old that day. And I can just remember the tremendous loss that I felt. Sorry. And so, I don't want to say the accident was a way for God to get my attention. Like, I, I don't think that that's what it was but I feel like it was a way for for him to let me know that he was worth pursuing so now it's eight years later and my now husband is taking a job in Lincoln and um, one of our main priorities was to find a church home. We showed up 
uh, to Lincoln Berean. We walked in and we have this pastor standing on stage reading from the Bible and then explaining it. And I can just remember that feeling like this is where you're supposed to be. Um, and that then transformed into kind of this nagging feeling that I had that I needed to get more connected. So I took this huge leap and signed up for this class where I knew basically no one. Uh, I walked uh, up the stairs and into this room to a group of probably 30 or 40 women all standing around chatting. I had the pleasure of getting to know uh, Stacy, Renee, uh, Courtney, Keisha, Piper, um, and they transformed how um, I viewed myself um, because of their willingness to share um, all of the things that weren't going perfectly in their life. I grew up knowing all of the things. I knew X, Y, and Z, but I never knew how they related to me. Like nobody ever sat me down and goes, listen, like you're a sinner and, and that's who you are. That wasn't who you were meant to be. And you know, this is how that can then be changed. Like I never really understood that you had to take that step and acknowledge that you need Jesus as your savior. Like that was just never something that was ever conveyed to me. Um, so as I walked with these women during this time and watched them become more vulnerable and honest, I realized that, yeah, I, I can't do this on my own, that I, I need Jesus. I need him in my life. I need him to save me from myself. I don't think that there are words that I could use to describe the difference that Lincoln Berean, Selah, Pastor Clark has made in my life. My whole life I've been in this process of trying to find God in my story. And I just want to tell you thank you for teaching me what grace is and what it looks like and for showing me um, the little pieces of you that I have come to know are the little pieces of Jesus showing through.